0: hey hey welcome to another episode of too much to watch that's right this podcast is now called too much to watch the thing about uploading a podcast for the first time is that you'll find that there's an obscure podcast called too many tabs from the past that has not uploaded an episode since mid 2021 however in order to avoid some level of confusion i've changed the name of this podcast It is now too much to watch. Public service announcement. In today's episode, we will be covering episode one of House of the Dragon, my initial reaction and kind of a review. The reaction was for the most part positive and there will be spoilers for the episode. So if you have not watched it, go watch episode one of House of the Dragon now. Episode two will be debuting soon and we'll have a reaction to that as well. Let's get this started. This is Too Much to Watch. All right. We have now watched season one, episode one, the series premiere of House of the Dragon. The episode is called The Heirs of the Dragon. It's directed by Miguel Sapochnik and written by Ryan Condal think i'm saying that right uh who is actually the creator of the show along with george rr martin i have to say i'm pretty impressed and i'm quite engaged this show has me hooked from the very first episode and it managed to achieve that in an hour which i don't know if i went over but you know in game of thrones season one I was not hooked right away. It actually was work to kind of get into it. I I was definitely entertained and impressed by it, but I found it slow and it was a lot to take in. And I wasn't really hooked until probably episode nine, where all of a sudden they kill Ned Stark. And I was like, that was mind blowing at the time. It was like, well, where does the show even go from here? So anyway, uh, this show has managed to get me hooked in a little bit faster, and I, I do kind of wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that I've watched all of Game of Thrones already, so I have an awareness of this world, um, If and if if I was, for instance, had not watched any Game of Thrones at all, and was a total newbie into this show, would I be as interested? But for me, at least now, for the next nine weeks, this is appointment viewing, and <laughs> I got to say, it felt really, really good to kind of slink back into that world on a Sunday night and just like have an idea of, oh, I know what I'm going to do for between uh, 9 and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to be watching House of the Dragon. Uh, the the start of the show is uh, it's much different than that of Game of Thrones, which kind of Winter is Coming was the name of the episode of uh, season one, episode one of Game of Thrones, which started with a cold open. Of the scene north of the wall and they get attacked by whites and the white walker and it's kind of doing much more of a very tv-ish thing and trying to do a kind of a cold stinger uh cold open basically that's like oh something crazy is going to happen to get you hooked where here they start off with a prologue and presenting you information and then they do that kind of cool thing with the text on the screen where it has a bunch of text and then eventually it says um i forget the exact amount maybe 147 or 197 years before daenerys targaryen i thought that that was that was very cool and it was a nice wink and a nod to those who had read the books or watched game of thrones i do want to point out that uh i'll be going through many spoilers on this so this is a spoilery podcast so if you have not watched the first episode of house of the dragon go watch it and then come back and listen to this and also, I should point out that I have not really read the books at all, so I'm an, I'm a, just a purely a TV watcher here. Then we go from the prologue, which kind of reminded me a little bit of the informational prologue at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, it, it was it was good. I, I I didn't dislike it. It was just it just kind of had similar tones. Then we find we go right away into a shot of rhaenyra who is one of the new characters riding a dragon over king's landing and landing and um yeah then the show just gets going right away it kicks off with dragons right away so there's some big differences um for instance game of thrones was relatively subtle in its embrace of pure fantasy right away in that we see whites and a white walker but we really don't see dragons until the very end of the finale of season 1 and those are little baby dragons. We don't get to huge 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 dragons really until man season 5 I would say. Yeah, so that that was a big difference. And also while the embrace of, you know, CGI dragons and maybe more fantasy elements right away is one thing to note this show actually is a bit smaller in scope so far than what was happening in Game of Thrones. Just for a little refresher on that, (laughs) in Game of Thrones, we start off north of the Wall, then we go to Winterfell, then we go to King's Landing, then we go back to Winterfell, and then we go across the Narrow Sea into Essos and the city of Pentos, where we're introduced to Daenerys and her brother Viserys. Then we go all the way back over the narrow sea and maybe have another scene in King's Landing. And then all the way leading until we see Jaime Lannister push Bran out the window End scene. That's a lot of ground to cover and a lot of characters and places to introduce in one episode in a pilot. And here throughout the majority of this episode, we're pretty much in King's Landing now we go to different places in King's Landing. We go to the Red Keep and have scenes of the the council. And we have scenes in Flea Bottom. And we have scenes in the Dragon's Pit. And I think that there's the tournament. This might be a bit smaller in scope. That being said, it still still feels very, very epic. Another thing that I kind of want to point out is that I feel much... Because it's a little bit smaller, I feel much more familiar with the core characters right away. And I'm interested in... them. Um, and want to learn more about them we're introduced quite quickly to rhaenyra who is king viserys's daughter who while king viserys seems to clearly love his daughter always has wanted a boy and has seems to have favored a boy and clearly wants a male heir here then we have king viserys himself who seems to be a somewhat reasonable man but has some flaws uh it's not like a mad King situation or anything like that, but he also has this big flaw of wanting a male heir above all else. Um, much to the detriment of his wife. Then we have of course, Damon who they kind of build up to a pretty epic lead up to this guy, which makes me think that we're going to, you know, we're going to have a lot of WTF moments with this guy and we're going to be spending some serious time with him. Damon and Targaryen, by the way, is played by Matt Smith who uh has been in doctor who who was in the movie last night in soho and i think was in the movie morbius the recent jared leto morbius movie as well he's really good here and he's kind of like the new heel the new kind of person that we might love to hate i wouldn't put him on the level of joffrey or um ramsey though because there's a lot more depth to him joffrey is kind of pure psychopath as is ramsey and they're not. There's not as much depth to those characters. I would maybe put them more on the level of like a, like a Cersei or a Tywin Lannister, a person who you know, we're gonna see him, this person a lot of scenes and be like, ugh, what a dick. Uh, but then there will be this character will be explored on a much deeper level. And clearly they're setting him up to be one of the core characters of this show. Matt Smith uh, plays Damon really well as this guy who is loves violence and thinks you need to rule with a real, real iron fist and sees his brother, King Viserys as weak. And uh, those are kind of the three core characters. There's also Otto Hightower, who is the Hand of the King, who seems to have his own kind of ambitions and also kind of has a political rivalry going on with Damon Targaryen. Uh, that's pretty much it. But um, the, 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 those are the core characters and it was many, you know, much less to become familiar with right away, which I, I appreciated. man. As for the tone of the show, the show is very cinematic and it, it remains just as dark as ever. If we thought that this was going to be softer in tone, but we were sorely mistaken. I've seen some complaints In the review saying, oh, is this violence necessary? And um, does it really need to be this brutal? I don't know. I don't know. But that's clearly what the creators thought. And to that, I would say, I mean, what did you think you were stepping into? I mean, this is Game of Thrones, unless you didn't watch Game of Thrones, which then maybe you have an excuse. But There are scenes, there are battle scenes in this tournament that are really cool jousting basically, and they they devolve into a very violent battle and it's it's quite brutal. There's also another scene that I don't really want to describe on this podcast, but basically I'll say it's pretty gut-wrenching to watch. Even on Game of Thrones level, it is, oh boy. I think that that was intended, though, to make the viewer squirm a bit. And it kind of sets up all of the events for this show going forward as well. Towards the end of the show, they reveal a huge secret um, Viserys does to Rhaenyra, who ends up choosing her as the heir. Uh, It's about the idea that there is this vision of a song of fire and ice, and there is a long winter coming ahead, and we need to defend against that. And that is the idea of Targaryens. That's what they can do. And the only reason that Targaryens are even on the Iron Throne, we're not They're they're as ordinary as everyone else. The only reason why is because they have control of dragons. And that's the sole reason, which I thought was interesting that that, uh, so this was directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who directed many of the Game of Thrones episodes of the past, which I think that was a good way to kind of thread the needle between the familiar and the new by having a new showrunner and a new creator. And this, the writer was Ryan Condal. And then Miguel Sapochnik can kind of capture the essence that we need, can make it still feel new, but also have enough of the familiar tones. For those of you who don't remember, Miguel Sapochnik directed the episodes. Some of the episodes he directed that were notable were Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards, The Winds of Winter, Ryan Condal, what has he done? He hasn't done too much. I'm actually looking it up right now, and he's worked on the Dwayne Johnson movie Hercules, uh, a TV show on USA called Colony, the 2018 Dwayne Johnson movie Rampage. So this guy likes to work with The Rock a lot, and now he's doing House of the Dragon. Another thing that achieved some familiar tones was the idea of Ramin Djawadi, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he's the composer of the music. So the music plays a big part here. <laughs> you hear a lot of familiar themes like the Targaryen theme and the game, the, the game of Thrones intro theme. But he uses a lot of different arrangements, which is kind of what we have so far in House of the Dragon. is definitely new and definitely different, but there's a lot of familiarity there, too. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I want to pivot to HBO Max, which actually crashed <laughs> during the broadcast of this. I was lucky enough to watch this on actually cable, which is which is interesting, which doesn't crash. But on HBO Max, the whole app actually crashed. And this is actually not new for HBO when they do have something that streams a lot. Uh, in this is going back, but uh, for those of you who remember season one of True Detective, HBO, the app at the time, was called HBO Go, and it crashed. Uh, And that was, what, 2013, I think? That crashed during the finale of Season 1, Episode 8 of True Detective, which was the finale, and there were all kinds of complaints all over the place. So the crash, while not great for the viewers at the time, (laughs) probably means that this show is exceeding expectations in terms of viewership. Apparently, even though the finale of Game of Thrones did not stick to landing at all and was abysmal in a lot of viewers' minds. I don't think it was abysmal, but I don't think it was good. But it was abysmal to a lot of people. I guess people were able to get over that. And maybe some viewers see this almost as a course correction, possibly. Um, The numbers that HBO have presented are very, very good. I believe it's somewhere in the range of 10 million viewers, which would make it the biggest debut for an HBO show ever. (laughs) That's incredible. The numbers uh, that the, the previous biggest numbers that they had was actually the finale of, game of thrones which had somewhere around the range of 20 million viewers and the biggest the largest number of viewers they've had since was a finale to i think season two of euphoria which had something like seven million viewers so this by far has exceeded expectations i'm sure hbo is through the roof on this the the investment so far has very much paid off unless the show i don't foresee this happening but it has a serious downturn i think that this show is going to be a huge success and i think hbo probably at this point has already having discussions of green lighting other hbo spin-offs. and you know I, I think also we can take away from this that a lot a lot of times i've spoken to a lot of people or said like i don't know you know it's just a money grab you know when we saw better call saw we can we can see that as long as there's a good idea and there's something to write about, then it makes sense to do this. And there's a lot of history here. George R.R. R. Martin personally signed off on this and personally presented, uh, presented this. He wants to tell this story. He's the creator of all of this stuff. So that should be considered. I talked um, in the previous podcast about whether or not this could become the monoculture that Game of Thrones was. I'm still skeptical of that. But some of that skepticism has been chiseled away, I want to say. Uh, based, first of all, on just the ratings and the fact that HBO Max crashed. And that this, like a lot of TV stations and people were just talking about this the next day. And um, there's even a clip, uh, kind of a viral clip that was going around on Twitter of a New York, and a, like a high-rise apartment building in New York. And you could see like every t- every apartment in the building kind of flipping to game of thrones at the same time (laughs) that's pretty incredible and also something else that i want to talk about is the burlington bar actually posted a feed of an of an audience watching the show now the bar didn't look quite as packed as during the peak game of thrones but just the fact that they're doing that it's like we almost never left (laughs) it's incredible And that's the, that's the thing. I think people feel so shocked and kind of let down by the finale that it's like, well, we kind of just want to do a course correction here and maybe that's it. Maybe we can just reestablish that monoculture. I don't know. TV viewers of high level adult fantasy in general should feel very good going forward. Now um, there is some competition that's about to come as early as, um, a week, just a little, a week and a half from now. And September 2nd will be the debut of Lord of the Rings, the rings of power. uh, And they will be debuting two episodes. They're doing two episodes uh, simultaneously. They're releasing them. And there, I believe there's eight episodes. However, I I guess that, so I'm looking at what September 2nd is. That's a Friday. So they will not be, the, the shows won't be coming out. Um, On the same day which is good so maybe we can just watch everything instead if they were directly competing with each other not only would that be kind of stupid it would just delude it would confuse everyone and it would just be kind of spiteful however one thing i will say and i don't know if this is a veiled shot or not hbo actually released a public statement on where it was crashing and they said amazon fire sticks are the platform with which hbo max is crashing um <laughs> i don't know if that was a veil shot or not and apparently that's not true because people that had a roku or chromecast for example also experienced crashing so uh i don't know i don't know what's going on there that's all very uh you know conspiratorial anyway that's kind of my initial reaction to the show i feel good about it going forward and because I'm so pleasantly surprised and engaged, I might be posting a week-to-week reaction of House of the Dragon. And between that and the Rings of Power, which I'll also kind of go into as well uh, on subsequent podcasts, that might, for the next couple weeks at least, that might be uh, what we're limited to here in like blockbuster fantasy coverage. Of course, there'll be some other things to cover, but that'll be the focus of Too Much to Watch. Because there truly is too much to watch. That's all for now. Uh, I look forward to next time. I'll probably, the next thing I'll cover is probably season one, episode two, The Rogue Prince, uh, this Sunday. I'll have a reaction. I'll, be, I'll try to get it up a little bit quicker. But until then, I hope you enjoyed this edition, the second ever episode, by the way, of Too Much to Watch. I'm Sam Papard, and I'll see you next time.